Okay, let's begin. Yesterday's daf was daf mem dalit. Today's mem hey. We'll do a review of yesterday's daf. Get to today's. We have a mind that our learning should be as close for for Shleim, for Yitzchak, for Rezel, for Hadassah Basronia, for Michal Aviv Bas Yudis, for Emin Bastvara, for Sar Bas Yochevet, for Tfil Yezer Ben Moish Ben Rivka. Okay. Chayy Rachel Bastvara. Okay. All right. All right, let's get started. So uh, we started off uh, yesterday, um, I believe, at the um, on Memdalid. Is that the, did we make it all the way to we started the two dots? Um, okay. So uh, what if the um, we're talking about where the slave was. Uh, Again, so the Mishnah uh, introduced us to an idea that if a slave is sold to a Gentile or the slave is sold to outside of Eretz Yisrael, then that slave needs to be set freed, free um, because you did a bad thing. Okay? It's like, kind of like a penalty. So that's the story. So um, what if the Gentile collected him as uh, part of the debt? Uh, debt that was money owed. Or um, it was taken, the slave was taken by these people who, you know, Gentiles that, you know, take things of Jews just because they can. So uh, that doesn't mean that he has to go free. Um, so the Gemara is bothered is that, okay, I understand the second case, it's, a, you know, no fault of your own, but the other one, it's a debt. Really? Um, is a debt not uh, something that you would have to set the, the slave free? Um, does it, it, there's a contradiction because it says that if the king took your uh, silo um, you know, against your will, just you know, emptied you out, um, if it was because you owed taxes, so then you're have to take off the maestros. If it's just because, not because you owe taxes, but because they can, because they just you know, do that, so then you don't have to take off the tithes. So what do you see? That when it's in debt, then that's your responsible. So the Gemara says there's a difference over there. Um, um, yeah, in other words, you're benefiting that you're paying your debt. So therefore, you should you should have to take off the tithe. Um, so you have, but but the knas for a slave is not when it's taken away from you, even if they rightfully took it away. But it's only when you sold it. They only instituted the knas when you sell a slave to a gentile. Okay, so that's the difference. Then we brought a raya from Rav. Rav says somebody sells his slave to um, basically a uh, similar circumstance. It was a farhing, uh, which is the person is like, you know, I guess a mafia type of thing, you know, where they, you know, protection. So you had to give up your slave, whatever. That was part of the deal. Okay, so um, the slave goes out free. So why? I mean, you know, it was also a forced situation. The answer is there. You could find some other way to appease them. You didn't have to give them your slave. Okay? So that's why it's different. Once we mention this idea uh, that he has to be set free, so the question is, why do we blame him again? Because how will the fight will appease? So Rabbi asked the question, what if he was sold temporarily? So you sold him to the Gentiles, but it's only for 30 days. So he's going to come back to you. Um, is there the penalty also they have to set him free? Um, so we brought a raya because uh, we talked about this farhing idea that he's taking the slave. Isn't it something like a temporary thing? It could be that was a permanent thing that he's taking the slave and keeping. 
Um, anyway, so the next question was, what if you sell him, um, but not for work? Okay, he's not, so, you know, he's, he's only buying his, um, buying him as a stud, basically. I don't know if that's the, a word that they use, but they use it by horses, right, whatever. Breeding, for breeding, okay? So, uh, so uh, he's not really doing any malacha, is that okay? What if the deal is that, um, you know, the, the condition of the sale is that he'll be able to continue to do mitzvahs? Do they still have a problem with that? What if it's, uh, he's off on Shabbos and Yom Tev? Um, what's the story? Um, what if you're selling to a Gertosha? What if you're selling to a Yisrael who's a Jew who's not keeping Torah mitzvahs? Um, what about a Samaritan? So one of them, we do have an answer, because it says a Gertoshev is no different than a Gentile, even though the Gertoshev does not do idolatry, but he's not Makhber mitzvahs, and that's a good, in, in this regard, it's problematic. Kusi and Yisrael Mumers and Makhlokas, whether they extend the Gzair in that case or not, and that's the difference. Okay. Um, they asked Rav Ami a question. What if the slave ran away to the armies? And um, there's no way that he can get him back. You know, once the guy comes to the army, they're keeping him. They're not giving him up. Um, but he could get money for it. Um, so would he be allowed to collect that money or not? That was From the, the army? Yeah, they'll pay him for his slave that ran away they're, because they got him, but they're not going to give him up. In other words, you can't give that, say, you know, I need my slave back. He's my slave. He ran away to you. Can you return him? It's like, no, no. If he came to us, we're keeping him. They need every every man in the army, right? So, or whatever it is, they they're not giving up the person, but the money they might pay him. So, is he allowed to take money, or is that considered tantamount to a sale? So, Rabirmia said, "Look into it. See if he said to Rabzrika, look into it. See if you can find something." Sure enough, he found it's a Bryce. Bryce is talking about somebody sells his house to a gentile, which is the same in Israel. You're not allowed to sell houses to gentiles. Same problem. Um, you're not allowed to benefit from the money that they paid for it. Okay, a uh, gentile that grabbed the house from a Jew, and is no way in both the Dina Yisrael and Dina Yotkam that you can get out the house. You're allowed to take the money. So that's exactly our scenario here. So we're saying it's okay. Okay, um, and the idea is because it's kimatul yadam. In other words, it's not. I, I have no choice in the matter. I might as well at least get out what I can, so you could get the money. So the Gemara says maybe that's only by a house because after all, by a house, since there's no way to uh, live without a house. I mean, you need a house to live in. You're not coming. It's not likely you're going to sell um, if you would take the money in that case. But a uh, slave, you might, see, being that a person is a luxury to have a slave, so he might, if he takes the money, he might get the taste of, like, wow, I didn't realize you could get this much money for a slave, and then he'll be uh, tempted. That's the question. Yeah. Does that apply today? Not telling Yes, yes, it does. Okay. Yes, it does. Um, so, um, okay. So um, anyway, that was the. Uh, so then Rav Ami said, I'm, "I Ami Barnasan is establishing this as the law. The Torah will go out to all of Israel when a slave um, runs away, and he can't get him out. And no matter what, whether in Jewish law or in Gentile law, he's allowed to accept the money, and um, you know, documented in their books, because it's just saving the money. That's all. You're, my, uh, you're anyway losing the slave." 
Um, it's a question of whether you'll get the money or not get the money. At least you can get whatever you can get out of it. Okay, Rabbi Shul ben Levi says that somebody sells his slave to a Gentile, the penalty is to redeem him even to 100 times his value. The question is, is that is that an exaggeration? Is that hyperbole or is that actual what it is? So we brought a raya because Rish Lakish says uh, that somebody sells a behemoth gasa to a Gentile, a, a large animal to a Gentile in Israel. We said that, or whatever, it's not only in Israel, but there's a question why, but whatever it is, machlokas why, but the bottom line is, you're not allowed to, and the penalty is until to pay back up until ten times its value. So, um, so, so you see, hundred ten. Obviously, it was just an exaggeration. So uh, the Gemara says maybe it's actually dafka, and uh, slave is worse because every day he's not able to do a mitzvah. So it's so therefore the penalty is even higher than than by the animal. That's one version. The other version is Rabbi Shulman Levi says that when you sell a slave. To a Gentile, you penalize up to ten times. Um, and we said, is the ten times specific, you know, actual actual or not? And maybe more than if they says, no, I'll only sell it to you for 11, say, oh, sorry, I'm not going to do it. Um, or Lavtavka, so uh, maybe it's any amount. So that's the question. So we wrote a raya that uh, Rish Lakish says that when you're selling a Beimakasa to a Gentile, there, it's a hundred times the amount. So obviously, it was just a hyperbole. It's not actually that amount. So the Gemara says maybe Evid is worse because you don't get anything back when you redeem the slave. You don't get to keep the slave. He goes free. Um, but um, so uh, so the Gemara says, well, that wouldn't make much sense because the animal. The reason why it's more money is because you get back the animal. So it should be just one more time, you know, because uh, whatever, like. Uh, you know, it doesn't make sense to go all the way to 100. Um, so rather, the slave is something that's less common, so maybe that's why there's less of an obligation to spend an inordinate amount of money. But something that's more common, that's where the, they're, they were stricter, you know, to penalize even higher. So anyway, that's the story with that. Again, it's really not, the, not really answered what's the bottom line. So if you may ask Ravasi a question, well, somebody sold the slave, then he died. Is the son obligated to, uh, to redeem that slave that was sold? That's a question. And if you say that uh, we have a halacha, in other words, and we're, we're comparing it to two halachas. In one halacha, we do penalize the son. Meaning, if the father's a Kohen, and the father caused a blemish to the Bukhar that they had, which is forbidden, they canast the son, and uh, he's not allowed to benefit. But maybe that's different, because that's even the son loses out on that animal. Um, um, so uh, maybe there the canast is because it's Isser Daraisa, so we're stricter. But over here it's only Isser Darbanan, this whole Isser of, um, of uh, selling a slave. It's not written in the Torah anywhere that you cannot sell your slave to a Gentile. It's um, it's a rabbinic concern because the slave will now not be able to keep Torah mitzvahs, and that's the issue. Okay, but it's not it's a, not a Torah law; it's a rabbinic law. Maybe we're more lenient. That's all. You okay? Clear? Okay. What about the blemish? Um, no, no, no. We're comparing. You um, have a bechor. We're saying so, so we're comparing the knas one penalty to another penalty. Ah. When a when a coin owns a bechor animal and makes a blemish, that's to his advantage. So he's not allowed to benefit from that animal. Even if that coin dies and the son, he also is not allowed to benefit from that animal. So we penalize the son for what the father did wrong. 
So maybe that's different than our case. Because over here, the father sold the slave. He was supposed to redeem it. But does the son have to redeem it? Maybe not, because this is rabbinic. By redeeming the slave, that's a rabbinic law. By the by the by the bchor, it's a Torah law. So it's stricter, maybe. So it's not a, not a proof. On the other hand, we do find uh, a lenient case. Okay, um, we know that if uh, somebody specifically does malacha on on uh, which he shouldn't have done, and they, and he dies, um, we specifically do not uh, penalize the son. To not uh, to not benefit from that, from that, uh, from from what he did, the malach that he did on cholamoid, um, and that's because the son didn't do the iser. But over here, you can add, you can say maybe the the penalties. Two ways to understand the penalty is the penalty on the person who went ahead and sold his slave to a gentile, or is the penalty on the one who on on the money that he that he sold the slave that he you know got the money. It's ill-gotten gains, and that's where the penalty lies, and therefore it's the son, he has the father's money, he should have to redeem him. So that was the two sides. You could argue it both ways. And uh, that was the question. So, so he said, uh, we have a raya. The, the proof is from um, the, the field on Shemitah. So somebody fixed up the field on Shemitah by cleaning it up. He didn't really work the land, but he cleaned up the the stuff that's there, there was like some thorns, you know, thorn bushes, and, uh, you know, sticks in the field that he just cleared, he cleared it. So uh, he, you're allowed to work, you're allowed to plant it on Matzishvius, but if he actually plowed it, you know, like, you know, you know, uh, fertilized the land, which is like proper preparation um, for the following, you know, for the year after Shemitah, but he did so during Shemitah, he's not allowed to plant on that Matzishvius. <coughs> And uh, Rabbi Yosef said that what if the guy who did it and then he died, the son can plant it. We don't penalize the son. So that let's say is a, is a, is so we see that the, the knas goes only to him. It's not on the field. It's to him and not to the son. And that's the story. It's for the action. And that was our proof. Okay. Abai says that if somebody was metame, his friends taught her items. So like, you know, he thought it would be funny, but the guy had a whole bunch of tohar food and he put a dead rat on it and made it, un, you know, basically worthless. So um, there they do not penalize the, the son after. And the reason is because really, Hezek Shainanikers, Losh Mehezek. The Knas, the rabbis instituted, they only made the Knas for the guy who actually did it, not for the son who didn't even do anything wrong. Okay. So then we went to the next topic, which is that you're also not allowed to sell your slave outside of Israel. So the rabbis. Uh, talk about this, and they said somebody sells a slave outside of Israel, he goes free, but of course the second master is going to have to <coughs> give a get shikhar. Okay. Um, you have to pay him and he'll have to free him. Okay. Um, Ramshim Gamliel says uh, it's not necessarily true. It depends. It depends on the circumstance. Sometimes he has to go free, sometimes not. What's the case? If uh, somebody says, I'm selling my slave, to so-and-so from Antuchi, um, the Antuchi, right, which is a, a country outside of Israel, that doesn't mean that he has to go out free. Um, if he says to this Antuchi, who lives in Antuchia, so then you're clearly selling him to outside of uh, Israel, that would be uh, going out free. 
Um, problem is, is that there's a, a brisa that, that lines him up differently. He, the other brisa says, I sold him to an Antuchi, then he goes out free. To an Antuchi that lives in Lod, which is part of Eretz Yisrael, then he doesn't go out free. So, which is it? You know, plain Antuchi is split. In the first version, plain Antuchi means in, uh, um, I'm not selling him outside of Israel. I'm, and uh, Antuchi in Lod, I am selling it. That's only then it's okay. It sounds like a plain Antuchi is problematic. So, um, the difference is, uh, does this Antuchi, okay, an interesting thing, practical thing, does he own the house in Israel or is he just a guest in Israel? If you're selling it to somebody who owns a house in Israel, so then you didn't sell it outside of Israel. What he does, you know, because he also has a house outside of Israel, that's entirely up to him, and that's not that's not your problem. You didn't sell him outside of Israel. You know, you could say, well, I, he has a house here. Maybe he's going to keep the the guy clean. You know, to to maintain the house over here. It's not my problem. But if I know that he's only a guest here. So he, obviously it's understood that he's taking him to take outside of Israel. So it's like I'm selling him outside of Israel, and that's the problem. So Rabbi Yirmiyah said, what about this case? You have a person from Bavel, marries a woman from Eretz Yisrael. She brought slaves and servants, maid servants, into the marriage. And uh, he's going to go back. So you can ask this, so who's... So, the real, so this, this suffix, this doubt, is a question that you can ask in uh, both scenarios. Question is who is entitled to who's the really the owner of the slaves? So the question is, again, we're talking about these slaves are what we would call nixit sombar. So that means they're written into the star and and, uh, and and locked in at whatever the value is at that time. So really, he uh, whether they go up or go down, it's on him. Okay, so that's uh, so that there's more likely to so some say that you know she still gets her slaves back um, if this marriage gets dissolved. And you could ask even if, if, if he gets them. Um, uh, meaning, if it's hers, so then after all, uh, maybe it's like, okay, it's like hers, and therefore it's not called uh, selling outside of Israel. Or, because she never even sold the slave, she's really maintaining owner. Just because, again, it's important to understand, if I live in Israel and I go outside of Israel, take my slave with me, that's not what the prohibition is. Prohibition is to sell, I'm staying in Israel, I'm selling to somebody who lives outside of Israel, that's where the the penalty is lying, okay? So she didn't sell it at all. It's not called giving it over to the husband. Or on the other hand, he's responsible and he's entitled to all the benefits of the slaves. Maybe it's like it's his. And therefore, it's like she's giving to somebody who's going to live outside of Israel because that's the intent. Um, you could ask the other way around also. Even if he's entitled, um, that's uh, you could say, okay, therefore it's problematic. Or do we say that uh, he doesn't really own the goof he only owns the Paris, maybe not. So that's the take. We remain with the question on that. So that took us to the next thing. Rabbi Vo said that, you know, Rabbi Yochan, uh t- taught me this, uh, this idea, that a slave that goes uh, to Syria with the master, and then the master sells him in Syria, okay? So he goes out free. And uh, Rabbi says, no, because the slave went from Eretz to Syria willfully, so therefore he lost his right. So it's contradictory. So the question is, when, what was the nature of, his, of this man's trip to Syria? If he's saying, I'm temporarily going to Syria till things no calm more. down, till, till things calm down in Israel. But, but my intention is, you know, it's going to be here for a few years, and then I'm going to go back to Israel. 
that was the initial plan. So then the fact that he left uh, with his master is not an indication that he you know, is not valuing living in Eretz Yisrael. Um, but if he says, I'm going there permanently, and he said nothing, so then he lost his rights, basically. And then it's like a, it's a slave from outside of Israel at this point. That if he sold him, he wouldn't automatically go out free. Um, anyway, so that's the deal. But he has to redeem, he has to pay. He only has to pay for his redemption if he didn't want to leave Israel, okay? But if he, that, that's the difference. Here, he willfully left Israel to permanently reside in Syria, so then uh, that's, that's, that's on him. So it's not my problem anymore that he, he himself was, uh, Yoreid, you know, went down, you know, left Israel. So that's because he, he chose to listen, to go. He could have, anyway, so that's the story. Um, so uh, that was the, uh, that's the, the Mishnah brought down this. Now, next we saw of Anan said, I heard from Shmuel two points. And um, one is uh, this halacha. And the other one is um, uh, that somebody sells a field in Yovel. So Rav says it's sold and goes out and automatically goes free. Uh, you know, so it's a sale and then comes back to him. And Shmuel says the sale doesn't even take effect. So in one place, Shmuel says that the sale is reversed. In the other place, he says the sale is not reversed. And I can't figure out which one's which. That was the question. Rav Yosef says if you analyze properly, you could figure it out. Why? Because it says in the Brisa that somebody sells his, his slave to Chutz Laaretz, he goes out free, he needs to get Shikra from the second master. That's the one who has to free him. So, in fact, it says the second master, that proves that he really bought him. And therefore, it's not like the sales reversed. Um, and therefore, by, by process of elimination, the other statement of Shmuel with regards to this halacha of uh, the field, um, right? Um, uh, by uh, that's being sold in Yovel, it must be that the sale wasn't valid at all. Okay, and the money goes back. Why did Ravana not? Why was he not able to figure it out with that the way Rav Yosef did? First of all, he never knew about that price. And second of all, um, even um, and even Shmuel's statement, the fact that it says Eina Mechura is not clearly Eina Mechura. It could be Eina Mechura. But the money goes back, and that is as far as we got up to. But we'll finish off this piece because it really continues. <laughs>